Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. I have a confession to make, and it's simply this. As I often teach on the person of Christ and the nature of Christ and the accomplishments of Christ, I cannot help but find myself in the book of Colossians. Colossians is such a rich book trying to describe this resurrected and exalted Jesus Christ. And as I'm teaching on the person of the Lord, I I just cannot escape coming to the book of Colossians. In Colossians, you will find the contrast being drawn between the person of Christ and the culture of the day. And it's almost as though the culture steals from this magnificent person. And so as I often teach on Christ, again, I I, I find myself also explaining some of the things that prevent us from knowing and enjoying this uh, marvelous person. And in this particular teaching, I do exactly that. I was wanting to talk to my class from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, where it says that as you have received the Christ, who is Jesus the Lord, walk in him. And that was the focus of my lesson, that was the burden of my heart, was to teach people how to walk with the one that they received. But Colossians is just so good. And that before I even got to verse 6, I found myself extrapolating so much of the context and the background of the book of Colossians. And I spent quite a significant amount of time just bringing folk up to speed as to what the context of this book was and why it is so relevant for us to read today. This is the on-ramp to verse 6. In our upcoming episode, I will talk at length on verse 6. But in this introductory episode, I'm going to give it also a different title. I'm going to call it Jesus More or Less. And it's just really a little bit of a snapshot on the book of Colossians. I can't help myself. Pray for me. I have problems. And it's just a good problem, I think, to have is to see how good Christ is in the book of Colossians versus the culture. And so here it is, Jesus more or less. This is really what's happening in the book of Colossians. Um, Paul painted and introduced a Jesus to the Colossian people that was straight out of heaven. But then came culture, and it made more of Jesus, and it made less of Jesus. Keep in mind, my heart is verse 6. I never get to it in this particular session, so you will have to join me next week as we look thoroughly into Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. But here is my introduction. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those who are in uh, Laodicea. Even all of those that I have not seen in the flesh, that have not seen my face, those of you I have never met. Verse 2. I want your hearts to be comforted, that you would be knit together in love unto all of the riches of the full assurance of understanding, unto the full knowledge of the mystery of who this Christ is. Marvelous verse, verse 2. In other words, God gave Paul the secrets of who Christ really was. And Christ is wanting to let everybody in on the secret. The context of this letter is the richness of who this Christ is. Because in Colossae and in Laodicea, they're beginning to delude who this Christ is. And they're beginning to go into all sorts of other rabbit trails. And in chapter 2, he will explain all the rabbit trails. So Paul is wanting to make sure they stick with the real Jesus. Because there was a fake Jesus being taught. Can you follow with me? How do we know that? Keep your place there. 2 Corinthians 11. They were beginning to entertain a fake Jesus, a false Jesus, an alternative Jesus. Look at verse 1. I wish that you would bear with me in a little bit of foolishness. Verse 2. I am jealous over you with a jealousy from God. I betrothed you to one husband. I married you to Christ as a pure virgin. I married you to Christ. We will cover this text in depth at a later time. He says, but I fear in verse 3, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your thoughts would be corrupted from the simplicity and the purity towards Christ. It happened in the Corinthians. It's happening to the Colossians. Paul came and preached to the Colossians, married them to Jesus. He didn't marry them to the culture. He didn't marry them to Judaism. He didn't marry them to Moses. He married them to Christ like a pure virgin is married to her man for the first time. Then he says, but I, I'm afraid for you Corinthian people because you are being tricked. You're being deceived just like the serpent deceived the woman. And notice carefully how he says, your thoughts are being corrupted. And this is what's happening in Colossae. Their thoughts are being corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus. In other words, Christ is being made more complex than Paul presented him. Can you follow with me? Now look here back in Corinthians. He says, For if indeed a person comes and he preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Do you see that phrase? Isn't that interesting? You can preach the real Jesus or the alternative Jesus. The Corinthians began to entertain the alternative Jesus. So he says, there comes a person, he preaches another Jesus whom I have not preached. And you receive a different spirit which you've not received from us. Or a different gospel. Can you see those three things? A different Jesus, a different spirit, and a different gospel. Then what Paul preached to the Corinthians. 
And he says to them, basically, you as Corinthians, you're so gullible, you just eat the poison. Is everybody with me? Exactly the same as happening in Colossae. Paul taught them the real mystery of Christ. The real nuts and bolts of the gospel. And now they're entertaining other thoughts and it's becoming more complex. And it's becoming complex under this thing called Gnosticism. The Gnostics came in and they began to add to Christ, take away from Christ. And bottom line is, they began to make Christ more complex. Paul hears about this in prison. He's like, oh no, i got to write a letter to the Colossians. Go back to Colossians now. I'm headed to verse 6. In verse 2 he says, I want to bring you to the full assurance and the full understanding of the full knowledge of the mystery of God who is Christ. In verse 3, In this Christ... All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. In other words, if you gain the real Christ, you will gain the proper wisdom of God. It's hidden in Christ who is in God. Okay, now the Gnostics taught you gained wisdom in a philosophical way. And Paul is going to combat that and say, no, no, no. Plato cannot teach you the wisdom of God. Socrates nor Aristotle can teach you the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. He goes on, verse 4. I'm saying this so that no one can delude you with persuasive speech. What does your Bible use for the word delude? Deceive. Hello? Deceive. Here's basically what's happening. Paul ministers to this community, this Colossian community, leads people to Christ. They get radically born again. Here comes the satanic agenda. Whatever God creates, Satan wants to distort, delude, derail, and cause to misaim confusion. And it's happening in Corinth. It's happening in Colossae and in Laodicea. Paul says, I preach to Jesus. Now other folk are coming, they're preaching an altogether new Jesus. And apparently look at the Corinthians just put up with it. But here's what they're doing. They are taking the simple, straightforward gospel. The simple, straightforward Jesus. And they are deceiving people. That is, they're making more of it and less of it than what Paul made of it. And so there begins to be an alternative gospel, an alternative spirituality, an alternative way of walking with God, relating to God. A whole new spirituality is being concocted and brewed, a, a, a soup of just Plato plus Christ plus Judaism plus humanism. And it's called Gnosticism. And I want to submit to you, we live in exactly the same culture. We live in exactly the same day where so many things are trying to persuade you. Come over to me. Take my truth. Take my way. Take my spirituality. Take my gospel. Take, And it's all being used in the name of God exactly the way it was for the Corinthians. It's in the name of Jesus. It's called the gospel. And it is the, the giving of the Spirit. But Paul says, no, it's one that I did not give you. Can you follow with me? It's a serious matter. 
So Paul, um, before I get to verse 6, let me show you here some of the things that they began to deal with. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Beware that no one carries you off as spoil through their philosophy. Notice that. Through their philosophy, they're going to conquer you, trick you, and carry you off as spoil. That is, they're going to conquer you, rule over you. And they're going to do that through philosophy. What is through philosophy? Philosophy is the human mind attempting to span the mystery of God. Spiritual philosophy is just human ingenuity trying to span the mysterious. It's human argument, human speech, human persuasion. So, they're being tricked by philosophy. Um, my Bible uses the phrase now, empty... Deceit. Empty deceit. I don't know if your Bible has this particular phrase. It's two kinds of subjects here. The one is philosophy. The other one is empty deceit. That is, they're offering people a kind of a spirituality, but there is no substance to it. Have you ever read somewhere in the Bible where there was empty, waste, and dark and deep. Have you ever heard something along those lines? Yeah. This is exactly what humanism, Satanism, the enemy of God does. Whatever he offers you, however philosophical it sounds, it's empty. It has no substance and it tricks. It deceives. And we will, you'll come to understand where we're going this morning with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It offered the man knowledge. Hey, come eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you'll be like God and you'll know everything God knows. But when they bit into it, it was empty deceit. Philosophically, it sounded great. But the reality of it was empty, waste, dark and deep. This is exactly what's happening to the Colossian community. They are being deceived with, with smoke. Paul gave them substance, and the substance is just Christ. Now they are being lured away into philosophy, empty deceit. The next thing that my Bible says is trying to lure these folk away is the traditions of men. Do you see that in your Bible? Traditions of men. And then lastly, the elements of this world. Elements of the world. So my Bible uses those four sort of phrases. Your Bible may say it a little bit different, but here it is in a nutshell. Here is what is tricking and deceiving and deluding the Colossian community. Number one, persuasive speech. Great oratory reasoning. The human mind spanning the mystery of God. Answers. And what is the whole thing with philosophy? Complexity. 
That's the whole goal of philosophy is to try to be as complex as possible. And Paul spoke even to the Corinthians. He said to the Corinthians, you are being, you are being deceived and tricked from the simplicity that is in Christ. Do you remember that phrase? The simplicity that is in God. Love God. Love your neighbor. Live it up. It's so simple. But here comes the deceivers to the Corinthian community. And they're coming straight up to the Colossian community. No, we can't have such a simple Jesus. We can't have such a simple gospel. No, let's add to it. Let's complexify this whole thing. Beloved, welcome to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in modern New Testament Christianity. It was right there. Under the disguise of, under philosophy, we'll teach you all about God. And actually, it was empty, vain, useless, deceiving. And people who bit into that philosophical explanation of God, they left empty. There was no substance to it. This whole thing, the traditions of men, beloved, hear me very carefully here. We're going to go into this thing a little bit later under the dealings of God. One of the biggest things that stands between you and God going on is the traditions of men. It was the thing that prohibited the Jewish people from going on with God because they were stuck in yesterday's rut. Stuck in yesterday's mechanical formulaic processes. Why the traditions of men? Listen carefully. Because it is controllable and predictable. That's why we love tradition. Because at least I can predict what's going to happen and I can control it. The two big things that as humans we fight for. Why do we fight? It's so that we can control Control. We love control. Now, if you want to come and walk with God in the New Testament way, you have to throw out control. You cannot have God and control. Amen. You just can't. This whole New Testament thingy, the last time I checked, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is a faith thingy. Not a control thingy. It's not a predictable thingy. It's a faith thingy but I watch us even as modern Christians we're in the same boat the Colossians were the same boat we love the traditions of men the way the Jews loved it why because it's very predictable I know it's going to happen Sunday I know it's going to happen Wednesday it's very predictable it's monotonous and we love it why because at least I can control something who wants to hang out with a God that you cannot control? When you're young in your Christian journey, chances are highly likely that you will gravitate towards complexity. As young people, we love complexity. We make a big issue of everything as young people in our zeal. And when you're in your 20s, your brain is firing at optimum. You're, you're beginning to be a stunning intellectual person. The capacity for thinking outside of the box and original thinking is best in your 20s. After that, just... I give you exhibit A. It just... But in our 20s, you are as stunning, as smart, as capable, as intellectual as you'll ever be. 
And you'll see, even in spirit, you will thrive on philosophy. And we call them Bible studies, but really it's an argument fest over who has the best opinion. And you'll see, um, the person with the most complex answer, everybody goes, oh, he is close to God. You'll see, in your 20s. When you're my age and older, the person with the most stupidest answer, you'll begin to lean in. It will just flip. Because you'll see in your 20s, you'll see you chase after complexity and, 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 and depth, so-called depth. So did the Colossians. And you'll eat and chew that air for a while and realize it's, it's like cotton candy. There's no substance, but it's, it tastes good. But it rots your teeth. And it cannot fill your stomach. And you'll see there's just a matter of days when you will get to a place where the person who's the stupidest and has the most simplest answer, somehow that'll hit you like a ton of bricks. Now I want to, I'm giving you an on-ramp to what happened in the Garden of Eden. When Satan put that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in front of the, the, the man and woman, he told them, if you eat this, then you will be like God. God had already created them in His image, but that was too good to be true. Whatever God said is irrelevant. What Satan now says, oh, let's pay attention. So he says, you're going to be like God. And then he adds this temptation. You will know all things. Which then sparks this whole new lust within man. The lust to fully grasp fully know and fully understand. And here's the kicker. In the New Testament, God wants you to fully know and understand. Paul just said, I want you to come into the full knowledge of God. The full understanding of the mystery. God is not against you knowing. But you will know God in proportion that you relate to His Son. You will not know God in proportion to your understanding of philosophy. And this is what the Colossians are biting into. They're being tricked and deceived. Thinking that complexity makes me know God better. And complexity makes me more spiritual. It actually doesn't. Paul says these people are conquering you and carrying you off as their spoil. Now this whole thing on the traditions of men, beloved. Oh my goodness. Do you know that folk do not want to come to Legacy School of Discipleship and learn the simple Christian life? You know why? Because it might cause a bump in their college track. They may graduate a semester later and that would be a stigma on their person. That whole shame of graduating a semester late and all of that stuff, those are the traditions of man. Do you know how many excuses I get for people that are eight? Aching for the depth of God, aching for the mystery of God, aching for loving and knowing God in a simple way. But no, the traditions of man prevents them from coming here. I have more stories of people that cannot come here than folk who've ever attended. Again, for every two that attend, there's ten that says, no, we can't. The traditions of men is what causes an enormous blockage. 
and going on with God for many of us. It did for the Colossians. And then there's this last one. <laughs> oh, glory. The elements of the world. The elements of the world. What you eat, what you drink, where you go, what you dress, what you see, what you don't see. And, and Paul would explain that here in the letter to the Colossians, etc., etc. But this is just worldliness, worldly image, worldly identity, the pursuit of worldly, let's say, glory and accomplishment. The world, the world that's been usurped by Satan, we as Christians often seek out. Jesus was very, very clear. He said the concerns for the world and grasping for the things of this world will choke the life of Christ out of you. Matthew 13. That is a, one of the baby parables that Jesus told. He said, basically, if you are anxious and troubled and chasing after worldliness instead of chasing after the kingdom of God, then that worldliness will choke the life of God out of you. But for us, what does that mean? We all should have a pulpit now? No. You can still flip burgers and serve coffee, but it's an issue of, is my being for the kingdom of God? Or is my being for, gimme, 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 gimme? Or see me, see me, see me? Can you all follow with me? Yeah. All right. Beloved, look here on the screen. Who would like to tell me one word? that substitutes all of those. One word that I can write over all of this that summarizes all of this in one word. Flesh. Flesh, very good, yes. Carnal, Carnal absolutely, very, very good. One word to describe these four elements because that was what the Colossians faced. Say what? False. Of course, error, false deception. Um, let's say a kind of a humanistic knowledge. Sure, 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 sure. I have a better word, but let me, let me hear from you first. Antichrist. Oh, six, six, six. Come. It's, a, it's much simpler. Don't, don't, think too, don't think too complex now. Uh, it's much simpler. It's not hyphenated. Worldly. Okay. Um, we've got the world in here, but it's, it's close. One word to sum up these four categories of things that's in this world. Yes, birthday girl. Absolutely. Yeah, self. All of you are correct. Yes. Lust, craving, sure. One word to sum up these four categories. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Amen. Amen. Sin. Sin, falling short, not glory, not Christ, Antichrist. Mickey Mouse, you know. You know, the Antichrist and whatever. I'll prove to you later that Barney, the purple dinosaur, is actually the Antichrist. I'll prove that to you later. Um, 
One word, see if you can agree with me. One word. There is, in a nutshell, the thesis of the book of Colossians. It is Christ versus culture. The heavenly man versus the earthly Greek man that thrives on culture. The, these four things crystallizes into one word, culture. Who do you serve, your culture or Christ? That's it in a nutshell, and that's what Paul is contending for. Now, big background to bring you to verse 6. Oh, glory, 